Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Amen. Book of Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse number 1. Amen. That song, Daystar, how many remember Daystar? That came out in the 80s. I used to listen to that on tape and just pray and cry as a, as a kid. That was my prayer. Lord, I just want you to use me to reach the lost. And I think that ought to be our prayer. Amen. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse number 1. Tonight, uh, I am going to teach... Um, I'm going to teach on on getting us ready, prayerfully ready, uh, for Pentecost. Amen. And I'm going to talk, matter of fact, my lesson is going to be prayers for Pentecost. And I'm going to teach on 10 prayers for us to pray for Pentecost. Amen. For Pentecost and Uh, as we get ready for Pentecost. Amen. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Amen. Now if you'll jump back to Acts chapter 1 beginning at verse number four it says and being assembled together with them commanded them that they should not depart from jerusalem but wait everybody say wait Wait. for the promise of the father which saith he ye have heard of me for john truly baptized you with water but you shall be baptized with the holy ghost not many days since amen and so he told them i want you to go back and i want you to Go back into Jerusalem, and I want you to pray, and I want you to, we used to call it, we would tarry. We would tarry. Uh, I remember being a kid thinking, who's Terry, and when they going to show up? If I ever got a hold of Terry, I was going to slap the hair off his head, because we'd tarry for a long time, waiting on, we're going to tarry. Tarry, that just meant you were praying. And uh, then I'll tell you what, Terry never showed up, but the Holy Ghost did. And uh, they prayed for 10 days seven or ten days, believing on what your view is there. Uh, ten days they prayed, and then the Holy Ghost showed up and baptized them. Amen. So I want to teach on for a little while here today on uh, prayers for Pentecost. Everybody say prayers for Pentecost. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your presence, for your anointing. Thank you, Lord, for the strength and the beautiful presence that we feel here. I pray that you would open our minds and our understanding. Lord, give us renewed vision and fresh faith and passion. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. We're going to talk about tonight uh, 10, 10 points of prayer for Pentecost. Now, you, if you're taking notes, uh, please feel free to do so. But we are going to actually uh, make up a uh, kind of a bullet point, and I'm going to we're going to write these out, and we're going to put these up, hopefully by tomorrow night, and we'll post them in the members page. And you can take these 10 prayers, 
and be praying them between now and Pentecost Sunday. Amen. And so we want to we want to be ready for Pentecost. Amen. Now we 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 this may not be the exact day of Pentecost, but this is the day that we set aside and say that we are going to acknowledge 50 days from the resurrection that this um, was when Pentecost came and when the church uh, was born. Amen. Now, the first prayer that we're going to pray is the prayer of real repentance. Everybody say real repentance. This is so important because you don't get Pentecost without real repentance. So number one is real repentance. The initial outpouring in the book of Acts uh, generated a wave of repentance. And 3,000 were saved. Amen. So a wave of repentance came. Pentecost didn't start, and I thank God we got phenomenal music and singers. Uh, but Pentecost didn't come as a result of, of a worship service. It came as a result of a prayer meeting. Amen. And it's astounding how many churches now don't have prayer. Um, I, now, I believe you can have prayer at home. You can have prayer in your car. You can have prayer at the park. You can have prayer in the bathroom. Amen. But I believe it's important that we not just have individual prayer, but that we have collective prayer. Amen. Because I, I may, uh, hopefully I don't step on any feelings, but you can't have a personal Pentecost. Pentecost is collective. And so if we want Pentecost results, we've got to put in Pentecost effort, amen? amen? And that's when we come together. So Thursday, as all Thursday nights are, but, but even more especially this Thursday night as we come together and we're going to be praying from 6.30 to 7.30 and probably at about the 6.45 point, uh, I'm going to jump on and we're going to be going through these 10 points of prayer collectively as the assembly, amen? And, and so... Uh, the book of Acts generated a wave of repentance from the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost, and 3,000 people were saved. Amen. We need raw conviction to come. We need, how many, rem, you know what, I don't even really want to do that, but I think some of y'all remember what old-fashioned repentance was. We say, oh, you know, it's funny because I was listening to a clip of a preacher, uh, or actually was, it's not listening to a clip, I was reading the book. Uh, a sermon, a collection of sermons from a preacher that w had, was preaching in the early 1900s, and he it was like 1903, and he kept saying, we need old-fashioned revival, and I'm thinking, old-fashioned? That was 120 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> they sing, give me that old-time religion, give me that old-time. Well, it, when that song was wrote, them people are dead. It's so old. What we're talking about is not old as in ancient, we're talking about as initial initial beginning so the initial portion of that um we we need that I, I can remember conviction and repentance falling on people i remember people didn't even wait on an altar call sinners were so convicted they would get up in the middle of the preaching and they'd come to the altar and repent of their sins i remember we'll do it in the middle of song service uh i remember getting up and, and i'm going to tell you the power of God is no less now than it was 30 years ago, 40 years ago when I saw it happen. It's not any less now. Uh, but what is happening now is I think sometimes and the service needs structure and service needs order. But sometimes we can organize God out of things. That's why it's sometimes 
we'll let the service go and we'll shout it down or we'll snot it out and whatever. And that's fine. That's good. But old fashioned or let me not use the word old fashioned because you're going to think I'm speaking of the 1950s and that's not what I'm talking about. Initial book of Acts repentance begins with a church that is prayed together. And I can remember people coming to the altar. I remember men and women coming to the altar. Nobody had to beg them uh, for, to come to the altar and have them come to the altar. And I don't mean to be too gruesome or graphic, but I can remember them walking down the aisle with strings of snot coming down their nose. They had been crying so hard that they could not contain themselves anymore. I remember, you, you know, uh, a while back, my wife and I were talking about this, and we evangelized, and I believe there was a service that I preached over in the other, uh, the others over here we have awakened across the way. I believe there was a service I preached 10 years ago or so, and I was preaching on Calvary, and I, I believe I preached the message, Calvary demands a verdict. And at the end of that, I was preaching, I said, everybody here today is going to render a verdict. If you sit in your pew or you leave, you have rendered the verdict that Calvary's not good enough for you. But if you'll make your way to an altar of repentance, then you render the verdict that you want to be saved or something of that matter. And before I even really got to that, to, to really open the altar, two or three people ran down to the altar sobbing and crying and seeking out to God. My wife and I were talking about this. Uh, you know, we see this from time to time, but not as frequent as we used to um, with, with repentance. We'd see it happen in... Um, in, in our revivals, I've, I've seen people literally cl like claw their way down the middle aisle under so much conviction and the power of God and clawing, their, grabbing the carpet, clawing their way to the altar. Um, and, and you say, well, we don't need those dramatics and theatrics. Well, when you've got a whole lot of sin in your life, you'll do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. Amen. And so uh, we've seen that. That comes not from just it's not just great sermon or great preaching. It comes when the church has come together. And I know some people might be thinking, you know, how long are we going to pray um, uh, the heart prayer? How many, how times we got to pray the heart prayer? Dear Lord, you know, give them, you know, uh, touch their eyes, or that, you know, touch their heart, touch their, give them an attitude towards sin, all of this, all of this stuff. Well, it's because it brings us into a collective focus of prayer. And a church that will pray for God's conviction and not religion's condemnation. There's a difference between condemnation and condemnation don't come from God. When you feel condemned, that's not God. Condemned, how many, how many know the difference between condemned and convicted? How many would like me to tell you the difference between condemned and convicted? Condemned means no hope. I'm a sinner. My, I'm just getting my, fresh, my, my, my face pressed in my sin. And I am feeling uh, that I am the lowest of the low and God is never going to forgive me. I have done too much. I've gone too far. That's condemnation. Conviction is your sin being exposed, realizing that we need God to save us and that, yes, my face is being pressed in my sin. But the difference is there is a light of hope that God is going to hear my prayer and he's going to forgive my sin. Amen. And so when we pray for conviction to fall in a service, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, uh, not that I'm not honest with you, but I'm going to be uh, poignantly honest with you. I'd much rather have uh, people coming to an altar, snotting and crying, repenting, than I would dancing and screaming. Yes, sir. 
And I, you know, I've, I've said it here before, and I've, I've, as an evangelist, I took a lot of heat for it. I've taken a lot of heat as a pastor uh, for it. I don't know if maybe I should get those NASA space tile things in my jacket where the heat don't. I, actually, they burn me so much, I don't even give a rip anymore. Um, and that's, and that's uh, you know, people getting in a rush to get people to speak in tongues. Uh, as an evangelist, one of the things we would see is the number of baptisms initially in a revival would outweigh the number of Holy Ghost baptisms. And the reason why is I was, would preach a lot of conviction and a lot of commitment to be baptized because when somebody makes a decision to be baptized, uh, and you're preaching conviction, we saw that a greater number of people that would be baptized would stick with it rather than those who were just running up and getting, you know, and getting the Holy Ghost. That would, it was just an experience they got. But when you took them after the service and you gave them a, a quick Bible study, a 10-minute Bible study or so on baptism, and they committed to follow through with it, they had an earnest desire in their heart to be saved. Amen. And so uh, we, when I pray daily for revival, I, my mind, when I say revival and I'm praying for harvest and revival, it's not just the altars filled with people dancing and screaming. That, that, is, that is an after effect of true revival. But I'm, when I say revival, I picture people on their faces weeping and crying out to God for help. That's, that's what we want to see is lives changed by the power of the cross, not lives influenced by the power of suggestion. Okay. And so it's not about wanting them to feel anything. I want them to come in contact uh, with the holiness and the righteousness and the mercy of God, which all comes together and meets at repentance. So we need raw conviction to come. Our lips must be purified with holy fire. Our hearts must be softened and melted and then washed in his presence. In other words, we cannot expect for conviction to fall on everyone else but us. We need to pray for that conviction. Um, how, many does, how many can say God still convicts me? Amen. Used to it was God would convict you for things that you did, but the longer you serve him, he'll convict you for things you think. You'll start thinking things. Uh, just the, uh, last night, I, yesterday afternoon, I, I ran up to uh, be with Bishop Keys in Auburn and, and uh, was on the way home and somebody cut me off and it, instantly I got conviction. Almost before I thought the thought, it's like God said, I know where you're going with that. I know where you're about to go. <laughs> so I backed off and just turned Merle Ewan up a little bit louder. <laughs> Amen. Uh, uh, so we, we need the conviction of it. And you need to follow conviction. When, when God is convicting your heart, listen to God. You need to listen to that uh, in your spirit. When God's tapping something in you and saying, and you're going, ooh, I don't know if that's right. Here, here is a good measuring stick. If you have to ask if it's right or wrong, 99% of the time it's not right. Just go with that. That's the Holy Ghost. If, if you're going to do something about it and you feel awkward, you feel out of place, and the Holy Ghost in you is kind of not letting you, don't go do that again. That's the Holy Ghost saying, hey, hello, over here. No, we don't do that. Amen. And those things don't even have to be sin. Amen. 
Um, I, I don't want to get sidetracked here. Amen. But it's, it doesn't even have to be sin. It's just relational things. It's about staying in relationship. That's like people, you know, I don't know how many times I've had people ask me, is that a heaven or hell issue? Is that a heaven or hell issue? Well, I mean, it's like asking my wife, is this a marriage or divorce issue? Right? I don't think she's going to divorce me for not taking the trash out. But it might make things awkward. Right? And so, you know, you find, you find favor that way. Right? So, you, you, the Holy Ghost, see, we automatically assume that if God is convicting us that we have done something so incredibly wrong that we're in danger of hellfire. Okay? I, we got to change our... Our minds that God wants a relationship with us, not revenge. Here's how we view, um, here's how a lot of times we view living for God. Now, now some people will take it to the other extreme. Some people will not feel convicted about anything. They won't, get, they'll, they'll, they won't feel convicted smoking dope, laying up in bed with another man's wife. They won't feel convicted. They'll say, well, grace covers it. Well, you're probably a reprobate. The Bible says if you, if you continually to constantly reject the conviction of the Holy Ghost, well, the Bible says you sear your, your conscience with a hot iron. You're no longer to be able to discern what's right from wrong. So you got to be careful to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. I've had people say, Pastor, I feel terrible. What did you do? They, well, I committed this sin. Did you repent yet? But I still feel terrible. Good. Good. That's the Holy Ghost making you say, hey, I don't, I don't want you to do that anymore. Amen. And, 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 but, but we view living for God as the ultimate punishment is about to come down on us. That, you know, if I get pulled over for speeding, I get wrote a warning at best. I get a ticket at worst, right? Our view of God is officer rolls up, taps on the window, says, roll it down. The full, the full weight and might of the judgment of the law is put on us for a small infraction. That's not how it works. The Holy Ghost will just tap you and convict you. And what the Holy Ghost is saying, repent of that. Come on back around. Come, come back, come back, come back, come back, come back. And we got to follow that leading. So everybody would say real repentance. Amen. Now I'm teaching this so tomorrow, uh, uh, so Thursday night, I don't have to teach it again. We'll just hit these bullet points and you know what I'm talking about. Number two, the, the second prayer for Pentecost is, a total transformation. A total transformation. The ch for the church to become the image of God, for the release of power and miracles, healings, freedom, lifting of spirits, setting free, wisdom, all of this stuff, understanding. That's what we need to pray for, a total transformation. Amen. We don't want to be uh, uh, just a church that's known for good music, and we are. And that's just known for great worship, and we are. And that's known for good prayer, and, and, and we are. And known for mediocre preaching, and we are. But a church that is known, amen, that there is something transformative. When you go there, you may have walked in an attic, but if you want to be free, you can walk out being set free. You may have come in with bitterness and hatred in your heart, but if you want to be free, your life can be transformed. Amen. 
I don't want an experience, just an experience with God. Amen. I want to be transformed uh, by the presence of God. We want, we want there to be some Jacob Bethel moments. Amen. Where people walk in here, but they limp out under the power of God. Amen. Uh, it happened at Pentecost. They prayed and fasted for 10 days, but when it was over or, or when it was initiated, they were staggering drunk on the power of the Holy Ghost, and people began to recognize that. I'm praying that there be a total transformation in us and everybody that attends, amen, not just Pentecost Sunday, but every time that we come together, amen. Amen. So number one, we're praying for real repentance. Number two, we're praying for total transformation. Number three, amen, for compelling conviction. Compelling conviction. For it to flow to believers, this compelling conviction, to flow to believers. We kind of tapped on this earlier. And to burn away earthly, uh, away earthly birth and spiritual birth spiritual amen to to draw unbelievers to christ in, in other words i think I, I chopped it up there when i edited uh and transferred it over to my ipad that it's going to burn away the earthly desires to where that the birth of the spiritual desires are renewed in us and when that happens when there's compelling conviction it will draw unbelievers to christ Amen. We want them to be drawn to Jesus, right? Amen. Number four, we're praying for a, here's our fourth prayer for, for Pentecost Sunday is a spiritual renewal. We're praying for dry bones to live once again. That's what we're praying for. We're praying for dry bones to live again. We need a baptism of spirit-inspired confidence, not flesh confidence, not intellectual confidence, not talent confidence, but we need a baptism of spirit confidence, meaning that the Holy Ghost is going to move in this place on Sunday. And I don't mean just a little bit. I mean, it's going to be a window blowing out, roof raising, owl running, pew jumping, amen, altar snotting, crying, bawling, squalling in the presence of God, kind of a transformation, amen. That's what we want is a spiritual renewal, a, a hunger to be ignited in, within us for the things of God. We want the things of God to be ignited, a hunger for the things of God to be ignited. We need a spiritual renewal. So for dry bones to live again, that, that, that's what a revival is. It's a renewal. It's to cause things that were dead to live again. Amen. So we, we need revival in the church before we can have harvest in the city. Amen. We've got to have revival in the church before we have harvest in the city. So we're, we're going to be praying uh, for, number four, for spiritual renewal. Amen. Number five, we're going to be praying for supernatural demonstration. We need the original power of Pentecost and the book of Acts to be in this place. We, we need an unleashing of miracles, signs, and wonders to happen in this place. Amen. People, when they walk in on Sunday, we don't need to be in here crossing our fingers and hoping it happens. We need to be walk, opening those doors expecting somebody's going to receive the Holy Ghost today. We need to open those back doors saying somebody's body is going to be healed of disease or sickness today. Cancer's going to leave somebody. Back pain's going to leave somebody. 
depression or, or some kind of an illness of the mind, amen, is going to leave when we get done with this, with this because there's going to be a supernatural demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Everybody say Pentecost Sunday. Amen. Now, this is good for every Sunday, but I want to hone in our attention for uh, Pentecost Sunday for a supernatural demonstration. It, 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 listen to me. It was, it was a, the supernatural demonstration that brought revival in the book of Acts. Well, let, let me back that up and qualify that. Uh, there was prayer and fasting. That's obviously crucial. But uh, when, when there was supernatural demonstration of the baptism of the Holy Ghost was speaking in tongues, and they stepped out, and people saw them in the upper room, thought they were drunk. Peter preached, we ain't drunk like you think we are. Uh, we are drunk, just not the way you think we are. He didn't deny that. Drunk on the Holy Ghost is what he was saying. And so that demonstration, at least 3,000 people were born again of water and of spirit. Amen. Then the next one that we see is... Um, it's John, uh, excuse me, it's Acts chapter 3. Uh, when Peter and John were on their way to the temple to pray, and there's a lame man at the gate beautiful. And as that lame man is laying there and uh, begging of alms, matter of fact, Brother John, if you'll just go there with me, uh, Acts chapter 3, and uh, let's begin at verse number 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried and laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John and said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them. That means he gave them his attention. He looked at them, this, this lame man laying at the gate. And Acts 3 and 5 says that he expected to receive something from them. So he looked at them, and he's waiting to get his hand out. Amen. And then Peter said in verse 6, then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. Silver, and, he said, I'm a preacher. I ain't got no money. He said, silver and gold have I none. Now, I don't know if it's the fact that he literally didn't have anything on him, like not even a widow's mite or anything. Or what he was saying was, and I kind of like to believe this, what Peter was saying was, what I have as far as tangible possessions ain't going to help you anyway. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Yes. And when he said that, the man buckled his knees, fell on his face, and everybody laughed at him and no, that's not what happened. They'd just come from Pentecost. They were filled with boldness from the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And the Bible said in verse 7, it says that um, uh, he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Man, that's a lot of faith. Grabs him by the hand and took him, lifted him up. He didn't just grab his hand and say, now when you feel like you got some strength in your legs, Starts, he, he yanked that guy up off the ground. I mean, he probably didn't weigh 70 pounds soaking wet. He was, he was an invalid. He was crippled. And Peter grabbed him by the hand, and the Bible said lifted him up, yanked him up. And the Bible says immediately 
after he yanked him. See, we got the faith to pray for people. We need to start having the faith to say, come on, get up. Come on, get up. We, we need to believe for supernatural demonstration. That's what we're talking about. He yanks him up. And, and, and the Bible says uh, he, his feet and his ankle bones receive strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple. Amen. Uh, entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, this is where another, this is where the revival breaks wide open in Jerusalem. It wasn't necessarily the upper room, although that was an initial outpouring. This is where the Jerusalem revival and harvest really got kicked off. Because verse 10 said, uh, verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he, which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at uh, that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed uh, held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering it. And so people were there. Now they're ready to receive because a miracle, a supernatural demonstration took place and the people were astonished and they began to wonder. Amen. And then verse 12 said that Peter right then began to preach and he answered the people, you men of Israel, why marvel ye at this or why ye look so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man walk. And then he goes on to preach about Jesus. Amen. What we need is a supernatural demonstration. I want to see somebody get healed of diabetes on Sunday. I want to see somebody's, amen, knees be healed or back be healed. I want to see a blind eyes open on Sunday. Amen. Amen. I don't want it to be something that we just preach about, but something that we exercise, that, that we live and we see. Amen. On Pentecost Sunday. Praise God. So number five, we're praying for supernatural demonstration. Signs, wonders, and miracles happen on this Sunday. Amen. Or before Sunday. Amen. If you feel frisky, go out and find somebody and pray for them. Amen. Feel froggy and hop. Amen. Praise God. So number five, we're praying for supernatural demonstration. Number six, we are praying for courageous evangelism. Courageous evangelism. Amen. We're praying that God would raise up laborers, that God will ignite the people to share Jesus with a fresh anointing and with a fresh passion. We're praying for courageous evangelism. Amen. Not so coincidentally, it just so happens that when you go from Acts chapter 3 and you jump over to Acts chapter 4 because uh, Peter preached with, with, with such fire and passion, and then you go to Acts chapter 4, it starts out by saying that the people of the temple and the Sadducees came up and uh, they were grieved, and the, that, that, that means they were ticked off, amen, that they taught the people and preached through Jesus, the resurrection from the dead, the Bible said they grabbed up Peter and John and they put them in, and they beat them and they put them in prison and they commanded them, amen, to not preach about Jesus anymore. But in Acts 4 and 8, uh, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, 
by what means he is made whole. Be it known unto all you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Another opportunity to preach the gospel. Amen. And the Bible said that in verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They looked at how bold they were and said, man, these boys are stupid. That's what they, because they thought surely an intelligent person would cower and apologize rather than stand up to our faces and accuse us. Because that's what he did. He pointed and said, you crucified Jesus. You rejected the stone. You rejected him. You did it, but God raised him up from the dead. And when they saw this boldness, they said, these boys are idiots. And the Bible said that, that uh, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So it didn't matter how dumb they thought they were. Their boldness was so powerful, they identified that they had been with Jesus. Amen. Our boldness in evangelism will identify us as being a follower of Christ. Amen. And, and, and so it said, beholding the man, verse 14, which was healed standing with them, they couldn't say anything against it. They wanted to say this is fake. This ain't real. This is a bunch of Benny Hinn stuff. It's what they wanted to say. Not Benny Hinn wasn't there, but y'all, get, y'all catch my drift. They won't say it's one of them fake things. But when they went to accuse them, the Bible said there, there, there was the lame man healed standing right there. Beside. What you going to say? How are you going to say this ain't real when everybody knows that joker's been laying at the gate his whole life, lame, and he's standing right here? I want to ask y'all a question. Just, just humor me a second. What do you think that lame man must have been thinking? He's probably standing there. What a bunch of dorks. Right? Is dork still a word? Do we still, is it, who said yeah? Did you say yeah? Dork's a word? Okay. We, we invented that word, my generation. I'm glad y'all enjoy it. Be careful with it. In this generation, too many fragile people, you know. <laughs> we used it like nuclear bombs. People always thought, you, you, you bunch of dummies. I'm standing here healed, and you're arguing about how I got healed. How about, I'm healed. <laughs> how about rejoice that I'm healed, because you suckers are going to save some money. You don't got to give me coins anymore when you walk in. They're fighting over this. We need courageous evangelism. Amen. Verse uh, 15, but when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? Uh, for that indeed a notable miracle had been done by them that is manifest in all that dwell in Jerusalem and, and we cannot deny it, uh, but, but that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man uh, in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. 
Isn't it amazing the amount of churches that won't baptize in his name? They got that religious spirit. They just don't want the name. Jesus said, you'll be hated of all men for my name's sake. But Peter and John answered them and said, doesn't it sound like a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego moment? Don't you bow. Don't you stand up. You bow and worship our God. And Radshak and Benny said, we're going to worship our God. That's a little nod to VeggieTales there. If I'd have named them, I'd name them Bob, Fred, and Sam because Shadrach, Meshach, and Benny goes pretty, pretty long deal. Amen. So they threatened them. They said, Peter and John answered and said, uh, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto, uh, uh, unto God, judge ye, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. I think there's a reason why people are afraid to evangelize in our churches today is because they are not seeing enough miracles. See, that's why nobody can tell me God ain't real. I am a miracle. How are you going to tell me God ain't real? When I should, when I'm supposed to have been dead three times. How are you going to tell me God ain't real? When I was in a wheelchair with no hope of ever walking again. How are you going to tell me God don't heal when a doctor, a world-renowned orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Reinhardt, in Dallas, Texas at Parkland Hospital, wrote on my chart when I walked, he wrote, Act of God. So you come a little too late to try to tell me it ain't real. You need a supernatural demonstration of the Holy Ghost in your life. You need to see the faith of God work in your life. They said, we, we, uh, uh, so when they further threatened them, they let them go finding uh, nothing, how that they might punish them because of the people uh, for all the men glorified God for that which was done. Amen. The Bible said that they had, uh, they, they, and I'm, I'm, I'm saving you a, a lot of time here, amen, that they beat them and they laid many stripes upon them. And uh, they, they found that uh, uh, threatening them wasn't going to work because the disciples weren't going to back up. The Bible said they got back together and they prayed for boldness. And the Bible said that the foundations of the building wherein they were began to shake because they were praying for boldness. We need courage evangelism. We need that boldness that'll shake our schools, shake our jobs, shake our neighborhood, and shake our city to its core because we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. Somebody say courageous. courageous. Come on, say it again. Courageous, courageous. evangelism. Look at somebody and tell them, be courageous. be courageous. Number seven, we need a harvest of souls. We need to pray God release a tidal wave of evangelism for the harvest to bring in uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Give us the nations as our inheritance. We need a worldwide revival, but it needs to start in Woodland, California. Amen. We want that revival to start here, a harvest of souls that comes through courageous evangelism. Amen. We say it all the time. Who wants to teach a Bible study in their home? Who wants to baptize somebody? Who wants to be a disciple maker? At some point, we got to just quit. We got We can't just claim it anymore. We've got to initiate that harvest of souls by having courageous evangelism will help us with a harvest of souls. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Number eight, we need divine intervention. 
Our nation is in desperate crisis. And we need divine intervention to deliver us from evil. Only thing stopping the judgments of God on this, on this wicked nation is a praying people. And the moment the church stops praying and the church begins to acquiesce or the church begins to uh, align with evil. For if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, repent of their sins, then he said, I will heal from heaven and I'll heal, heal, heal their land. Amen. We don't got to be mean about it, but we need to repent. We need a divine intervention to help this nation. Amen. I, 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 I can't hardly read headlines. They're, they're almost shocking. If you snatch somebody out of a coma from, that went into a coma 10 years ago and you woke them up right now, they would think they were living in an alternate world. Like never before, we are calling good evil and evil good. I was so thankful to see that Target lost so much money. I didn't think anything was going to happen. But man, they called an emergency session today because they realized Target's becoming Groomer Incorporated. Onesies that says I'm transgender. You, I mean, come on. Bathing suits for little boys. Little girl bathing suits for little boys where they can make themselves appear to be little girls. That's the most openly pedophilic grooming thing and they sell it. And finally, the guy said, okay, we're going to take it out of the kids section, put it in the back of the store. Good. How about put it in the dumpster where it belongs? Amen. And the only reason they feel that emboldened is because the church is too intimidated to speak out against it. Got two words for you. I ain't. I ain't going to back down to it. And I'll tell you what else we're not going to tell you what else we're not going to do is is I'm not going to let people try to paint me in a box because I speak out against it and the people that support it, that all of us, oh, this is, this is a political, you must be politically aligned. No, it's not about being politically aligned. It's about being heavenly aligned. Heavenly aligned. Amen. We, we've got to stand for righteousness. We need a divine intervention in this nation. Trump ain't going to fix this nation. DeSantis ain't going to fix this nation. The dingbat we got now ain't going to fix this nation. He's one of the most corrupt it's ever been. Ain't going to fix, only one thing's going to fix it. It's going to be God. And it's going to be a people that come together and unite and pray and say, God, we are in a crisis. We need you to deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the hands that do evil. We're not praying for God to go kill people. We're not praying for a plague to wipe them out. We're not praying for bad things. We are praying, God, turn them. Let conviction get a hold of their heart and realize what they're doing is evil. Everybody say divine intervention. Two more and we're... Two more and we'll be done. Number nine, we need direction. We need to pray for direction. Amen. Where does the Lord want to send me? Where does the Lord want to send me? Every day there is a purpose and a soul to be reached. 
Without his guidance, we are unable to discern his will for our lives. We need our footsteps to be directed. Everybody say direction. direction. Lord, send me. Lord, We say, Lord, send me. We're thinking about a foreign field. No, Lord, send me today. Where do you want me? I'm telling you, if you will, if you will pray that prayer, if you will pray this for a direction, tomorrow morning when you get up, read a chapter in Proverbs, read your Bible, and then pray. Lord, lead me today. Help me to be sensitive. And then set the atmosphere. Don't get in your car and turn up, you know, ACDC or, or Tupac and bump that. And then expect God to speak to you through all that, that mess. Set the atmosphere that God can speak to you. I'm t- you would be amazed at the times God's speaking to you. Or more Merle Haggard for that. So I guess some of y'all, well, it's only rock and rap. Well, I'll throw in some Merle Haggard, all right? Anything that'll distract you. You know what God will do? God will nudge you to go to, into a gas station. And you're like, well, I've got half a tank. But you feel a draw. Just, just, just go. You might feel a draw to go to the grocery store. I, you know what? I feel a draw to go to a restaurant every day. You, you might, you know, Brother David, you might feel a draw to go to the gun range. And, and then draw me. I, I, you ain't got to try hard. I'll go. What, right now, you're the one-armed bandit. But we'll go, you know, you, can, you got the one good arm you can do it with. And so, uh, you, know, you might feel that nudge. And you're like, why? Why am I? I got too many things. To just follow it. Well, Pastor, what? I've done that before and nothing happened. Well, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Amen. We, everybody say Direction. And number 10, Brother Lucas, if you'll come. And number 10 is unity. We need unity. That we become one. True revival is birthed out of unity. True revival is birthed out of unity. Say that with me. True revival is birthed out of unity. Does anybody remember what one of the last things Jesus prayed was? He prayed, Father, that they might be one as you and I are one. He was saying, we've got to get unity. Not, not, not togetherness. Just being together is not enough. But unity, where we come together in one place and in one accord. We need that unity, that unity that comes in the people of God, in the family of God, that says we are uniting for a purpose. We're uniting for our city to be reached. We are uniting for our families to be saved. We are uniting, Lord, for your spirit to sweep over, amen, this city and not just this city, but sweep over my life, oh God. A unity that when we pray, we are praying together for a common cause. Lord, we want to see you pour out your spirit this Sunday, amen. And, and a, we want to see miracles and signs and wonders and healings and breakthroughs breakthroughs and deliverances and all of these things. We want to see it this Sunday. Amen. We come together in unity. Everybody say unity. Amen. Stand with me. I've said this before and I want to say it again. Uh, I think I think some years ago I'm pretty sure I preached a message here um, on the power of unity where David wrote and said, oh, how good and how pleasant it is that brethren dwell together in unity, for it's like the oil 
that was poured upon the head of Jacob, ran down, or Aaron ran down his beard. That preacher here about the, how, how he said it's like the dew on Hermon and how the dew runs down, becomes tributaries, tributaries, rivers, rivers, pours into the Sea of Galilee. Talks about the power of unity. Remember, unity is not something God gives us. He gives us the Holy Ghost and then he expects us to unify. He can't force us to be united. Unity is something we give to the Lord. Let me say that again. Unity, God does not give us. He gives us his spirit that we would connect and unify with one another. So the 10th prayer that we're going to be praying Thursday night and hopefully we'll get this posted up tomorrow night in our members page and you can be praying this Lord unite us together unite did you know if you flip two letters and unite you get untied all it needs is a couple of people to get backwards and you go from united to untied we need to be united. To, we need to be bound together. The Bible talked about the spirit of unity that we come to. There is no telling what God can do when his people come together as one. Amen. I want you to join me in the front for just a moment. I want us to come together for just a few moments because we're going to end this with a prayer of unity. Remember, unity is more than just saying I'm united. Unity, unity is a concerted effort. It is an intent. Unity is an intent. I intend to be unified with you. Amen. That means I got to get over being upset with somebody or what somebody did to me or what I did to somebody. I've got to look past that and say the greater cause of the kingdom of God is more important than anything else. So I'm going to unify in spite of me in spite of them, in spite of anything else. I want to be connected and I want to be united in the kingdom of God. If we get you there, if we get you, that's why we have prayer before service. Amen. We do that 10 minute countdown. Amen. If you're not posted somewhere and stationed in a ministry, you need to be in here in prayer and not talking. Let me pastor for a couple minutes. Not hanging out in the lobby until three minutes. Start in here, up in the front, praying together. It's so important. Why can't I stand back there? We need to be in close proximity to one another. And if somebody walks in and two or three minutes and they want to start talking to you, just say, hey, after church, I need to pray. Just give me a good Baptist nod right now. We need to pray. Don't let somebody distract you from that. You say, well, I just want to greet people. I want to, I want to see. Get here a little earlier. Just five more minutes early, stand out there. Join the greeting team. They'd love to have you. High five, back slap everybody that walks in. But at 10 minutes, we're, we're focusing in right there. And here's, here's what that 10 minutes does. It begins to unify us in prayer. That's what we're doing. We're going to, we're, we're saying, okay, Man, I've had some junk happen this week. 
I've got some stuff. So, all right, I'm going to repent. I'm going to get myself clean. I, I'm, I'm going to get in connection first. I've got to get in unity with God. So I'm getting in unity with God. That's the repentance and worship. And then after the unity, then I find with now I'm praying that I can unify with the family of God. And that's what we're doing. And have you ever noticed those services where it's just that boiling, roaring prayer that goes up before the service? We see miraculous things happen. That's not an accident. That's intent. That's why we need to be doing that. We need to be praying, oh God, I, I want to be one. We can't be if we're trying to figure out this and do this and got this one we're saying. So we got to unify together. Amen. A, a, not just Pentecost Sunday, but every Sunday, every, every Tuesday night, we need to be coming together in prayer like that before service so that we can come together. So I want us to put that in practice tonight. Amen. I feel like we, we've gotten unified with the Holy Ghost because we've had a tremendous move of the Holy Ghost here already. But now I want us to pray. Amen. And here's what we're going to pray. God, send us. God, send us, Lord. Lead us. There's going to be somebody on my job, in my neighborhood. There's going to be somebody I meet. Lord, send us. Oh, God, to lead somebody that they can be born again. Lord, lead me to somebody. Lord, I know I text the same few people all the time to come to church, but lead me to bring somebody to the house of the Lord this Sunday. Can we just put that into exercise? Can we just exercise that prayer right now? Lord, lead us, God, as we begin to unify one with another right now. God, as we unify around this prayer, oh, God, make us sensitive, Lord, to your spirit. God, help us to be sensitive to your spirit and your presence, Lord. That we would be led, that we would be directed to the right person at the right time. Lord, to that person that's struggling with issues in their life, Lord, lead us. Lead us, oh God, I pray. Lord, I pray that you would lead us to that, to that mom that is hurting, to that dad that is beyond stressed out with life. Lord, to that young person that is struggling with, with their identity and struggling, oh Lord, with all kinds of thoughts of suicide and depression. Lead us, oh God. Lead us as we unify as one body. Lord, as we unify in one spirit. For your word tells us that there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who is above all and through all. We're asking for that oneness from your presence to unite us into oneness with you and into oneness with one another. Oh, Lord Jesus, as you prayed over your disciples and you prayed that they would be one, oh, Lord. Even as you and the Father are one, we're praying for a oneness, oh, God. A oneness in the family of God, oh, Lord. Let our hearts beat in rhythm. Oh, God, let our hearts beat in rhythm. May our minds function on the same wavelength, oh, God. Oh, Lord, for evangelism and for the lost. We want to see your power demonstrated on this Pentecost Sunday. But, Lord, we also want to see your power demonstrated tomorrow and on Thursday and on Friday and on Saturday. Lord, use us, oh, God. Unite us together for this purpose. God, I pray and speak by faith that Bible studies will be taught in schools that will be taught in break rooms, on the jobs, in living rooms, oh God. In the name of Jesus, we're praying, Lord, that we would be one. Ignite us, oh God. Ignite us with a passion, Lord. Ignite us, baptize us with a fresh fire of the Holy Ghost. Baptize us with a fresh fire of Pentecost, oh God. That we might be used by your Spirit, oh Lord. In the name
Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.